Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, June 16th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. The public safety minister faces more calls for his resignation over the Paul Bernardo prison transfer. The minister simply cannot be believed. He knew for three months and he did nothing. And he tried to cover up that fact. And on that basis, he needs to resign. Alberta is giving a thumbs down to the federal government's plan to protect workers during the transition to net zero. The good news is that Canada is extraordinarily well positioned to take advantage of the opportunities that will come through the transition to a low carbon future. And more on Canada's decision to freeze government ties with the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. The government of Canada will immediately halt all government-led activity at the bank and I have instructed the Department of Finance to lead an immediate review of the allegations raised and of Canada's involvement in the AIIB. So I'm now joined by Bob Fife, and just for listeners to know I had to wake him up but he's uh, looking pretty alert in his bathrobe. It's all good. Even in his bathrobe, he says smart things because this is a guy who just won the Charles Lynch Award with his uh, colleague, Steve Chase. I think it's his second award. Right, Bob? It is. Yeah. So, like, you may not be able to get a, out of bed in the morning, but you're pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> okay. So, Bob, we've been in a few... Uh, kind of screaming, running scrums. And if you're a politician in the middle of one, you're not having a good day, right? So Marco Mendicino, that was his day yesterday, trying to dodge reporters, and they weren't too happy about it because they had a lot of questions. Can he survive this kind of convoluted Paul Bernardo prison transfer story? Well, he is in a lot of trouble. I mean, the Paul Bernardo story is horrendous. And the fact that everybody is saying they didn't, read the or weren't informed about it particularly the minister of public safety even though his staff was and the and then we find out even the prime minister's office was also informed about it and they never told him uh but the way Manasino has handled this um it's this is one of those stories that's gotten right down on main street people are outraged by it and it looks like he's completely incompetent or he knew about it and is not telling people now, this, is, this comes on the heels of a couple of other issues with Mr. Mendicino when he brought in, uh, change, at the last minute, brought in changes into uh, gun legislation that really angered uh, ordinary rural Canadians who actually go out and hunt with some of these rifles, and they had to backtrack on, off of it. Those were two issues that uh, were self-inflicted wounds, yeah. and it does look like I just think he's out of his depth in in public safety, and I would be. I don't think, and we all expect Captain Shovel fairly soon after the House rises, sometime in July. Uh, he is he's probably definitely going to lose that portfolio, whether he stays in cabinet or not, to be determined. So, why do you think he can't answer the simple question? Why didn't your staff tell you if they knew for three months? Uh, that is a very big question. Because you cannot say, oh, the staff were young uh, and they didn't know who Paul Bernardo was. That Everybody uh, in these days Googles and uh, the alarm bell should have been ringing. As soon as you saw that Paul Bernardo was being moved from a maximum to a medium security prison, you sh your hair should have caught immediately on fire. You should have got a running into the minister's office. Throw water on top of my head. I'm 
you know, put this fire out because it's Paul Bernardo. And he killed two young women as well as the sister of uh, Car Carla, Carla Homolka mm -hmm. in brutal sexual sick yeah. attacks. I yeah. mean, he is he's infamous in this country. Yeah. And, and and frankly, the same thing should have happened in the prime minister's office, which the which apparently wasn't. they knew for three months. They knew the same. They knew as well. And nobody told the prime minister. So it's the same thing with this China stuff about the MPs. Nobody seems to know. Uh, or uh, when the, there's a case of um, a senator who was had had gotten um, documents, uh, visa documents, uh, transition documents for Afghans and signed them fraudulently, yeah. and uh, and this was sent to to uh, uh, the, the minister Harjit Singh, and he said he never read his email. He never reads his emails. The, so this is, yeah, you're talking about Harjit Sajjan and Mary Lou McEdrin, right. who who had a template to get Afghanistan right. uh, people fleeing the country with the fall of the Taliban. And he had said, oh, I didn't see all those emails. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. So there is a philosophy going on here. Uh, it seems to me that uh, they have now decided if it's controversial, do not tell us. That seems to be either that or. Oh, I, oh, God, uh, I, don't, I don't want to know that. Um, but, but in the case of Bernardo, well, you know what? We're left to, we're left to speculate, right? Because we don't yeah. know. It's a simple question. Why weren't you told? It's either yeah. they didn't know who Paul Bernardo was or they were too busy doing whatever they were doing or they didn't think I needed to know. Same in the prime minister's office. Well, but it begs the question and we're left to speculate. First of all, if if no, if somebody in that staff did find this out and did not tell them that person should be fired uh, i can i also can't imagine that the uh, deputy minister's office wasn't also informed and surely they had an obligation to tell the minister and there and then of course there's this old-fashioned um idea that we've got from our from our from british parliamentary democracy that the buck stops with the minister there is right. ministerial responsibility yeah and when you really screw up if you're an honorable person, you resign. Right. Well, that's long gone. No, no, we haven't seen that since the days of Brian Mulroney when they were. Well, and, and the part part of the reason for that is Trudeau himself has been caught so many times in ethical uh, compromises uh, and found by the ethics commissioner to, to have violated the ethics rules. Then he doesn't resign. So, you know, everybody else gets a free pass. Right. So if if uh, Mendocino had said, yes, um, you know, there was a staffer who didn't tell me and that staffer has been fired. Would people be satisfied with that or would they just accuse him from throwing his just throwing his staff under the bus? Like, would that satisfy anyone? Any, anyone? It wouldn't. It, it's not wouldn't it wouldn't satisfy uh, a lot of people for a number of reasons. But it, but it should have been done if that isn't. Yeah. In fact, that is the case. Yeah. Somebody should have been fired for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, but, you know, it's just so outrageous what's happened because the family of the two yeah. young women who were murdered by yeah. Carla and Paul Bernardo, um, they, they weren't informed. Yes. I mean, you have the decency to let them know, hey, the guy who killed your daughters yeah. is being moved to a cozier place in the prison system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... You know, um, it looks like uh, Mr. Mendocino might, you know, live another day. Who knows in the sense that 
we're all looking at the fact the House is recessing next week, so maybe they'll ride it out. But like you say, maybe we will see some movement in the next cabinet shuffle, which everyone is predicting will happen sometime over the summer. Yeah, there definitely will be a cabinet shuffle. There's a lot of, you know, the rumor mill's going, and it's usually right when it goes like this. Yeah. Um, people are talking about sometime in, in, in probably in early July yeah. before Trudeau heads off on his holidays. Um, yeah. And that gives ministers the summer to be able to, um, you know, learn their portfolios, come back for another uh, hot hot session in the House. Another of pummeling. <laughs> come back for another pummeling. <laughs> this this government has had a rough time. Maybe they can't won't be able to find anyone who wants to be a minister. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe it'll be Trudeau sitting in his seat by himself. Just 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 get somebody who, if you agree to come in the cabinet, they'll agree to read their emails. You know. In, in their briefing books that that might start right. it was a funny cartoon in the toronto star uh, that had all the trump boxes in a ba- bathroom but it was unread e- unread mail unread unread from, uh... <laughs> no, exactly <laughs> anyway so, some of us you know miss army emails too but we're not big high-powered cabinet ministers so we get a pass so um let's move on to the second topic and that was yesterday jonathan wilkinson um uh, the natural resources minister announced that uh, there would be legislation to uh, it's called the Canadian sustainable jobs act to enable the creation of good middle-class jobs. This is all about trying to protect mm-hmm. energy workers as, um, as we, as a country transition into clean energy and, and um, you know, get rid of, you know, move away from oil. And uh, so um, what do you think that's going to do now in terms of he's got to deal with Alberta, for example? How's that going to go over? Well, look, I think it's a very good idea that you have to put some legislation in place because there will eventually be a transition mm-hmm. from oil and natural gas. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be left in a situation that happened uh, in the transition to globalization where so many people lost their jobs. Those mm-hmm. jobs are now coming back uh, because of concerns about China and the supply chain. Um, but this is a good idea. This is something the NDP has pushed for because they represent a lot of, uh, uh, there are a lot of unions who work for oil and gas workers have been concerned about this. And uh, it, uh, there's no um, meat on the, on the, in that legislation tells you exactly what they're going to get, but they are setting up a secretariat so that they can begin the process of planning out how we would help these workers trans transition. That's a good idea. It's, yeah. it's one of the few things where this government has thought, has thought, you know, more than a, 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 a week ahead of a headline. Right. Um, you know, this is long-term planning and uh, every, any government, who comes in are going to be grateful for this, even the conservatives, because at you know, eventually we're not going to have as many people working in the oil and gas industry. Right, and they've got Unifor on side. Like at the news conference yesterday, like the union was there saying we're behind this. Uh, you know, the NDP is is there as well. Daniel, it's it's but- largely their idea. Just oh, so you know, yes. Charlie yeah. Charlie Angus has been working on that's this right. For a long Charlie time. Angus, uh, he was I, mentioned I remember- as well. I remember him telling me a year ago saying that um, why they're one of the reasons one of the reasons why they're staying in uh, in the NDP uh, liberal supply confidence agreement yeah. is that they, they want this thing. This is a really important piece of legislation. Now, liberals are going to take credit for it. But right. I know that I know that he's been working on this for a long, long time. 
Right. So this is basically just about staying on top of the situation, making sure that, uh, you know, down the road, this training for people to transition from the jobs they're doing to kind of clean energy jobs. Uh, but, you know, he's uh, Wilkinson is meeting with Danielle Smith on Monday and she's kind of said from day one, uh, I haven't heard too much of what she said about this, but overall, she's kind of said, you know, buzz off. If you if you um, tinker with anything to do with our province and our jobs and our energy sector, like we'll find a way to hit back. So who knows? Well, how do you think that meeting? That meeting well, well, I mean, she, she's used this before to say that they're trying to shut down the oil and gas industry, which right. is not true. Yeah. But, you know, she's now one. Um, this is not about shutting down the oil and gas industry. This is about yeah. protecting workers. Yeah. Those workers live in Alberta. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine she's not going to say, OK, let's talk about how we can help this. But boy, don't touch. Don't you try to lose any jobs in our, our industry and you know, don't right. you try to shut down our industry. But I mean, she's got a responsibility to work with the federal government to on, and get her oar in the water. Yeah. be able to make sure that any federal legislation is not going to leave the, these workers in you know in you know hot, high and dry uh, in, in when the you know eventually the industry begins to uh, cut jobs and and you know in the slow process of slowing down right and wilkinson said you know we don't agree on everything but we agree on some things so he's basically going to start with what they agree on and and, uh, you know, try to have uh, some kind of moving forward situation. So okay. well, he's, a good, he's a good minister as well. I mean, he, you know, he's level headed. Uh, he gets seems to get along well with people. Mm-hmm. I, I think he does read all of his briefs and, and, and emails. <laughs> Ju- Julie, it, it certainly looks like that to me. <laughs> well, that's uh, that puts him in a category of his own. Right. So, OK, so to move on to a third topic, uh, Bob, the. Um, Canada, Christia Freeland uh, announced that Canada was going to stop activity with the China-led Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. Uh, the global communications chief, Bob Picard, who's a Canadian, uh, he, he kind of bailed out. He said it was his duty to pull back out of this. Uh, so can you tell us more? Yeah, th- uh, he uh, got out of China um, because he was afraid he would be arrested after he resigned. And on, en route to Japan, he tweeted that he'd left and that the this bank that we have supported mm-hmm. even though we people had warned us against doing that before uh, trudeau did it um that it's full of um uh, the communist party uh, officials who are in are involved are involved in every level of the bank and uh, it's it's just what it's what they're doing in chinese businesses as well where they now put party officials into yeah. the management that spy yeah. on people and to keep yeah. information and tell them what to do. The bank is doing this as well, but it's supposed to be a multilateral uh, bank that acts in the interest of developing Asian countries, not uh, a bank uh, of China that mm-hmm. uh, promotes the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, to, and to the credit of uh, Finance Minister Krista Freeland, she acted immediately, um, right. saying she's deeply concerned about what's going on in the bank, and that uh, she's going to, um, I think we'll end up withdrawing our money from it, but she's certainly um, withdrawn our involvement in the bank for the time being and is doing a probe. Mr. Packard, who's uh, yesterday uh, on the way from Japan to Vancouver, was tweeting again, and he was saying that another thing that alarmed him about the bank 
is that they were doing deals or trying to do some deals with uh, on contracts with Russian companies. Oh. These are these are companies who, as you know, because of Ukraine, have, yeah. are, are, are are being sanctioned. Yeah. So this is a really serious, serious issue. And one thing for sure, Christopher Freeland will not like about that because she's been such a as a Ukrainian Canadian and the yeah. finance minister has been such a strong supporter of of Ukraine in the war against Russia that I think this is going to be another, you know, um, strong, strong uh, reason for her to say, look, we've got to get out of this bank. We shouldn't have joined it in the first place, but this was the in the days when Trudeau first came in. Yeah. He wanted to join the bank. He wanted to have a free trade deal with China. He was even yeah. they were even going to do, believe it or not, had discussions about whether they should have an extradition treaty with China. Oh my God, can you imagine? Yeah. 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 Talk but about they, naivety. They got involved in that bank, um, if I recall, in 2017 and put almost a billion dollars into mm-hmm. it. So when you say pull your money out, you mean can they get that billion back? Because there's, I don't know. Uh, well, I they might be able to. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, yeah. Whatever the case is, we, we can't keep giving them forty million dollars a year, or how much right. we're giving them every year. Right. So we've got to stop right. doing that. Right. Um, well, and we should never have anyway because it's being used. It's not a, like mo- a lot of banks are multilateral institutions, or people like the World Bank and other organizations. Yeah. But but this is this is one that is only used. It's been used by China to promote its own interests. And when you mm-hmm. fill a bank full of people who are Communist Party officials who are there to make sure that a spy on everybody and secondly, make sure that anything is in is done in the interest of China, then that bank is not serving the purpose that it's supposed to have been set up ideally to set up to do. But of course, everybody said at the time, don't do this because this is what will happen. Right. Well, it's very interesting because I was reading uh, Picard's comments and he said in the bank, just about every department has a Communist Party member, including my department. It's the way things uh, he went on to say, you know, I was scratching my head wondering basically what what am I doing there and how does it benefit Canada Uh, and how I could communicate this to my compatriots about the value of their membership in the bank. And I was looking for that narrative, but there was nothing there, nothing zilch, nada. So. Um, I mean, that doesn't bode well. So basically, this probe is probably going to lead to us ending a relationship there, you would think. Eh? Uh, if if Christopher Freeland's in charge, yeah. yes, I think it yeah. will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if, if Marco Mendicino was in charge. He'd even know it was, it was happening. But <laughs> And, you know, the problem with Marco, as you know, is once people start laughing at you, you're toast. Well, that's the rule of politics. Yeah, if they're yeah. laughing at you, but it hasn't been toast for Donald Trump. So let's not go there. So um, <laughs> anyway, Bob, I'm glad I was able to wake you up. And uh, even though you were half asleep, you sounded very smart. So you should either go back to bed or or maybe hug your new award. I don't know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> coffee, coffee. I need coffee. <laughs> okay, well, have a great day. And I'll talk to you soon. That that was uh, Bob Fife, Parliamentary Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. And uh, wide awake now. But this last eight years has felt like a train wreck. Government deficits and taxes have driven up the cost of everything. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues Pierre Polyev's latest video diatribe goes off the rails. He writes, Mr. Proliev's videos are doubtlessly effective. They are often 
also misleading to the point of being fabulously deceitful. This would also include his latest set in a Toronto subway station. He makes many egregious statements in his video, precisely the type of performance politics fueling the polarization his predecessor, Aaron O'Toole, warned about this week in his farewell address in the House of Commons. What Mr. Polyevit is doing is no different than what Donald Trump did in 2016. Make outlandish claims that aren't true and pledges that he has no honest hope of fulfilling. In the Toronto Star, Linda McQuaig argues big oil is blocking climate action. She writes, most of us are trying in small ways to reduce our carbon footprint, but there are powerful forces out there using their clout to block the world from taking the urgent action needed to avert climate chaos. To get somewhere, we have to start center staging the truly immoral role played by big oil. Otherwise, we end up duped into believing that what holds us back is the refusal of ordinary Canadians to give up their fossil fuel guzzling cars. Justin Trudeau fashions himself a climate warrior, but he largely succumbs to oil industry demands, revealing his warrior posture to be more fashion accessory than commitment. If only we had a government willing to stand up to the menace of big oil. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will take part in a bilateral meeting with the Mayor of Montreal before speaking with the President of Chile. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in Toronto to hold a roundtable discussion on growing the clean economy and creating opportunities for Canadian workers with Canadian mining leaders. Defence Minister Anita Anand will speak with the media from Brussels after taking part in the NATO Defence Minister's meeting and Ukraine Defence Contact Group meeting. Minister of Canadian Heritage Pablo Rodriguez will make an infrastructure announcement in Montreal. And Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will announce funding to support innovative BC-based technology at a local advanced manufacturing business specializing in robotics in North Vancouver. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, June 16th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.